With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The legendary bourbon curator, Fred Minnick, is in the studio with us. Fred, great to see you again. Terry, it's always a pleasure. How are you? Thank you for uh, so many things that you've done for us over the years. But you and I were just talking about this before we jumped on. Your service to America was a, a bunch of years in where yeah. Iraq, I know. Yeah, so I was uh, nine years in the Army National Guard and uh, had um, spent time in Nicaragua, but most um, the, what I'm most known for and what biggest story of my Army career would be a year in Iraq. So and I was there in 2004. And you're shooting pictures. Yeah, so I was a staff sergeant assigned to um, a unit that's job was basically to tag along with operations, combat and civil operations, and document them. And our our photography or video would be sent to the Pentagon, and a lot of it was classified, a lot of it would be used in the media. And basically, we were to do, we were supposed to document the war for the present and, you know, in the future as right. well. And uh, basically, I went out with Special Forces, Infantry, Civil Affairs. And we'd walk around, wait to get shot at, or I took documented a lot of car bombs, a lot of firefights, but uh, also some school openings. I would later get bombed, and I would go take pictures of the bombing of the school opening. Amazing! Yeah, what a what a what a career. Well, thank you for that. It thank had you. to be obviously frightening at times as well. I know that that you had to be armed, but your number one appliance was the camera. Yeah, and uh, I would always be with teams I didn't know. And so, like, I would be kind of like this foreign concept to them, and they'd have to keep track of me. I'd be go off of this little side and, you know, get good angles and what have you. And uh, But, yeah, I, I, I walked around with an M16, um, you know, more than a full load, and always knew where we were. And, like, it, it's probably the best job in the entire military to get an idea of, like, the, uh, the status of a war because – I was, uh, I, you know, tagged along with General Casey. I tagged along uh, with General Sanchez. I tagged along with uh, uh, General uh, Ham. So I would go with them wherever they went. And, and sometimes I was in a helicopter one time. They got lost away from the uh, general. <laughs> we got stuck in the mountains. That was a whole other story. But uh, their, their GPS yeah. wasn't working. <laughs> Uh, you know the mountains in Iraq and northern Iraq. Yeah, strange things happen. Yeah, they can't so, get signals. Yeah, get weird stuff there. happens. And I would there. guess that, like you're saying, if you're walking with special forces somewhere and you want to take a photo, you're in their peripheral vision, which is a little treacherous. Yeah, especially uh, in that regard, we would be with uh, we would be with special special forces for the Iraqi side too, mm-hmm. and. Th- the Iraqi National Guard, the Iraqi Army, whatever they were calling them at this time, they they switched the names of what they actually called the military several times. And, um, you know, sometimes they would pass out and just accidentally shoot you. Sometimes they would actually be part of the insurgency and shoot you. So you had to have your head on swivel at all times. I'd say so. Well, 
ultimately, you landed a career that a lot of people know about. Weren't you mm-hmm. writing about wine at one time? Yeah. So uh, when I came home from Iraq, uh, I, I began this uh, career as a, as a wine and spirits writer. Started in 2006, and um, my background, you know, collegiately is agriculture. So I, I like studied like how things are grown, and I had like I've always had this like fascination with processes of food. And that lended my, you know, background and scientific knowledge uh, really well to, to wine because, you know, how grapes are grown. And there was not a lot of people covering the detail of grapes and everything. And I fell into a lot of stories in France uh, that ended up being kind of like breaking news in the wine world, specifically a 2009 classification controversy in Saint-Emilion. And that, that writing got picked up all over the place. And before I knew it, I was writing for, like, Wine Spectator, Decanter, Wine Enthusiast, Mm. uh, Tasting Panels, Sommelier Journal. And in 2012, uh, I was up for uh, Best Wine Writer in the World. In the the World! In the World, the Louis Roeder Wine Awards uh, for the under-35 category. And this is a time where I'm kind of, like, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, uh, where I'm at. And I was writing about bourbon you know, trying to write about bourbon as equal as I was to wine, but the opportunities were not there in bourbon for me as they were in wine. So I wrote for a few magazines and blogged about it. Uh, but I'm in this room up for this incredible award around all of these fascinating wine people. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be around Parker Beam. I wanted to be around Jimmy Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be around people like Eric Gregory of the Kentucky Distillers Association, uh, all these icons and, and, and bourbon that I just wanted to be around them and not necessarily, not that there was anything wrong with the wine crowd. It's just like my heart was where I lived, was which, which is Kentucky. And those people you're naming have those unbelievable stories. They also have the hands, the rough hands to yeah. show you they've done the hard work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kentucky distillers, uh, they're actually you know, in the in the trenches usually yeah. working. Now, there is a little bit of a overuse of the term master distiller. Um, there is a lot of brands that will come up. They'll be open for like three weeks, and the owner will call themselves a master distiller. I frown upon that a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, in, in Kentucky, for the most part, you know, if, if you look at someone like, uh, you know, Denny Potter, um, you know, you've got Harlan Wheatley at Buffalo Trace, Brent Elliott at at Four Roses. There's so many incredible, uh, you know, people in this business, and they're all actually distilling. You know, so they're in there, and they're managing unions, and they're managing uh, the mash flow. They're managing distillation and when things go into the barrel. So they're actually working, uh, whereas a lot of folks out there at the title are not. This bourbon trail concept, though, is Mm -hmm. genius. I mean, it's really changed the game for tourism in this part of the world. Yeah, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail is um, its basically people who are members of the association, the Kentucky Distillers Association, can be a member of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And that comes out in the late 1990s when a, a friend of mine and a couple other folks, uh, uh, Peggy Noe Stevens, uh, they, they were like trying to figure out ways to inc- improve like tourism around uh, the distilleries. And they came up with a flyer. So they just came up with a flyer. And that became the the early origins of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And today, millions of people come here. Right. And I I would say like 
uh, bourbon is our state's real last signature industry that's thriving. I mean, the horse industry, you know, it's up and down. Mm-hmm. It's really, it, it's, it's our heart and everything. The coal industry is, is an afterthought. Bourbon is really the last thing that is truly thriving, and it's been on an upward trajectory really since I decided uh, to make that move from, from wine to bourbon. The, the signs for bourbon's growth really began in 2008 when you started seeing like Jim Beam White Label increasing in sales year after year. And uh, we saw that people were not just after the limited edition, highly allocated products. They wanted the, you know, the everyday products as well. And so bourbon, bourbon's like growth pattern is, is really taking the course of a lot of like spirits growth patterns over the years. And that is it's a 30-year climb. And so if you want to say that 2010 is kind of when it really begins, you know, we're 12 years into what I believe is a 30-year climb. The difference between today and past years is we have tourism, we have social media, we have all these things. We have fans that are crazy for bourbon, so much so that they'll camp out at Liquor Barn or Kroger right. overnight. Incredible. We're speaking with Fred Minnick. His last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-K. The Fred Minnick Show you can find on YouTube, but it's it's streamable in lots of other capacities. Absolutely. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I noticed you did an Irish whiskey uh, tasting sort of thing uh, mm-hmm. yesterday. Then a few days ago, another show and another show. Yeah. So you're working a lot. Yeah, I'm always hustling. I owe, I own a, a spirits competition called the American Spirits Council of Tasters and. Um, I, I'm a part of Bourbon Pursuit. You know, I'm always I'm always out there doing something for sure. The Kentucky D- Distillers Association, the Bourbon Crusaders, and Fred and others are joining forces, just like you did after the tornado in right. Western what tornadoes in Western Kentucky. This is to help the flood victims in Eastern Kentucky. And there's an auction. Yeah, it's called the Kentucky Bourbon Benefit. Uh, you know, my team, Bourbon Crusaders, which is a philanthropic bourbon uh, group, Kentucky Distillers Association, and Westport Whiskey and Wine, a retailer out in Louisville, uh, were the core organizers of it. But really, it's the distillers and its collectors uh, donating bottles and, and experiences and barrel picks that make things uh, unique. There's a couple of them in here that are really kind of iconic. New Riff is a northern Kentucky distiller. They're uh, donating an eight-year barrel pick. So you're going to get to come. If you win this, you get to come up here, come up to northern Kentucky. You get to go into uh, to New Riff, go into their warehouse, get a really great experience. But you get to really pick the first uh, New Riff eight-year barrel. I mean, oh, they've, wow. been, they've been distilling since uh, 2000. Uh, you know, 13, and, you know, they sourced their whiskey uh, prior to that. But the stuff that they make at New Riff, I would put up against anything in the world. It's amazing. Um, I will personally be bidding on that one. I know that I will get outbid pretty quickly. But that's a really exciting one to watch. Uh, there's another one, a 10-year Willet pick. So Willet is kind of a it, – it, it's a it's a brand that I would put – in the conversation of bourbon being like, you know, it's the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of like high-level pinnacle fandom, Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees. A lot of people love it, and the prices for Willet tend to be uh, tend to be crazy, like especially like on the likes of the secondary market or where you can buy uh, at retail um, a, a, be- a fresh barrel pick from uh, Willet. This is going to be a 10-year. And you'll get it for a cash drink. They'll get to go in the warehouses of Willet uh, to check that out. And I mean, this is 
this is a barrel that could go for $100,000. Oh, my goodness. That's how unique and rare that one is. This auction, I guess you get full details at kybourbonbenefit.com. Mm-hmm. And th- these are auction items that's going to start tomorrow? They start tomorrow, and the money goes to the uh, the governor's Eastern Kentucky uh, f- fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we did this, we did it for the Western Kentucky tornado victims. I wish we didn't have to do this. But the bourbon community has a, is filled with big hearts, and you know we do a lot of charity in this community. And um, I hope that we can raise as much as we did last time for uh, the tornado victims, which is was three point four million dollars. Fantastic! Lots of auction items, and they can see them all at that website. Yeah, we're uh, right now. We're we're probably going to come in around two fifty three hundred auction items uh, when everything's Outstanding. in. It'll be little things will trickle in here and there, but there's a lot of great things that you can get. Uh, you know, don't just look at those big gaudy things. I actually have a barrel pick of Elijah Craig that nice. I pick personally. That'll be a bottle that's up that I think a lot of people will be able to get for under a thousand dollars. Kybourbonbenefit.com. And pay attention to Fred Minnick's shows on uh, YouTube. You, uh, that's where I found them. But uh, you, you, you're expanding people's knowledge of their home base, essentially. And that's very helpful. I'm trying. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, I am just a historian or a communicator of what's going on and what these great distillers are doing. And I, I think that the Kentucky Bourbon Benefit is a great example of what this community is. I mean, it steps up. To help people, and people will always look at bourbon as like it's an alcohol. But if you can get past that, you'll see so it's so much more than that. It's a community that especially cares about its home state. And there's there's distillers participating from Nevada. Smoke Wagon from uh, Nevada has donated bottles. West Virginia, a smooth ambler, has donated experiences. So you're looking at people from all over the country that looks at Kentucky as the epicenter. And when anything happens in Kentucky, the entire Bourbon community feels it, and everybody wants to help. Appreciate you, Fred. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Website again, kybourbonbenefit.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.